Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And we're back for another episode. As always, a couple of royal reminders. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, please send us an email at info at gallery podcasts with an S.com. Leave us a five star review. Pretty please. As we're going into fall, we're gearing up for more yeah, uh, exciting royal guests. Yeah. So, <laughs> how are you, Rachel? I'm good. How are you doing? Are you excited for Labor Day? I'm so excited. I have a glass of bubbly next to me because I'm tequila. celebrating we'll get into a. That. Almost, no, over a four-day weekend, four-and-a-half-day weekend, because we have a half-day Thursday. What a gift <gasps> from our company. That was such a surprise, and we heard about it, I feel like, weeks ago, so you could even, like, really actually plan on it, too, which is yep. awesome. I, do you have any exciting plans? Um, I don't have a ton of plans. I had some plans, but they were moved around. I think that we're basically going to be gearing up for school and all of that stuff, but hopefully some yeah. day trips. I'm looking into some day trips outside the city. What about you? Fun. I will be flying to Denver for a wedding, and I Whoa, am that's some equal, awesome plans. Equal parts nervous and excited, obviously with travel and Delta Bay and all that. Um, but very excited nonetheless. Getting to see a lot of college friends and everything. So, oh, so good. nice. I keep forgetting yeah. it is my birthday on Friday, so that is what. I'm <gasps> oh my gosh, Rachel! <laughs> I was like, wait, what am I doing this weekend? <laughs> Uh, I yeah. was going to say something and then we got talking before we started recording. Oh my God. Um, no, so what I are your forgot. plans for? What, we're just going out to dinner with friends. So that'll be really fun. Fun yeah. in Brooklyn? In Brooklyn. Yeah. We're going nice. to like a real, like we just have this go-to restaurant that has a gorgeous backyard. Wait, and speaking of restaurants, big breaking news is that for the first time in a year and a half and then some change, Roberta and I are going to have dinner together. Next week. I'm I'm like, we could talk about this next week, but I am just that excited. I'm so I feel so like we excited. should like wear our sheep sweaters or something. Yeah, we should. <laughs> would that be weird to walk into the restaurant and twinning? Yes, it would be weird. <laughs> I would but, love it. If anyone's in Brooklyn next week and sees two people in sheep sweaters <laughs> from across the way, you'll know who it is. Be like, yes. I know. I wish we could record an episode in person for the first time in over, I guess it's 18 months now, which but is even so just the fact that I haven't wild. seen you. Like I miss you. I mean, we've known each other for so long and it was such a bright spot pre-podcast oh. to see you all the time at work. And I just um anyways, let's get into what we're going to talk about. I'm very excited. I'm being excited. happy. Um, well, guys, it may be a quiet week for the Royals, but not on the Royally Obsessed podcast. Snap. We've got Omid <laughs> Scobie dropping by to chat about the updated edition of Finding Freedom. What a privilege and pleasure to have him back. Also, the Spencer trailer. Roberta, I can't wait to talk about this with you. I know. We have our first 40 for 40 email. Roro mentorship kickoff. We're really excited about it. And a possible move for the Cambridges. That and so much more coming But first, we always leave time for something to sip, especially because we're celebrating so much. We're celebrating getting together next week in person, finally. We're celebrating Labor Day weekend, a long weekend. So cheers. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. I have some, like I said, some, actually it's not bubbly. Well, it's Prosecco, so, but it's good it's celebratory i poured myself I really some excited. straight tequila i was gonna try and mix it into a fun cocktail i it's not Why it's not like it's not that much that? but it's it's like valencia orange the 21 seeds i think we we drank that oh, i yeah. still have it it's, kind it's of so fragrant itself, and delicious right? yeah it's not like it doesn't feel as much like a straight shot it feels delicate 
What will you have on your birthday to sip? Like, what is your drink of choice of all time? I mean, I always go for like a dry rosé, but I maybe, I think it's going to be hot still, so I'll stick with the rosé, but I'm such a wine person. What did you have right after having Finn when you hadn't drank Oh, I cracked a bottle of wine that I bought in Portugal that I had been saving. Yeah. I bought it on my honeymoon, which I, yeah, so I was like, and it was a favorite bottle that I drank repeatedly over there and- I was excited. Maybe the restaurant you're going to will Tignanello. have some tea. <laughs> I should call ahead to celebrate. Oh my gosh, yes. Is it Italian? What? What are you? Where are you going? Just tell me. Um, I am going to an Italian restaurant called Frankie's. I'm going to Frankie's. Show up. Come by. Oh, so good. Wait, so I'm taking so us on good. one more tangent. Remember when I first started working at Pure Wow and you did show up on my birthday with Hannah? <laughs> Like vaguely, vaguely. Was this our was this our first year working? Yeah, I had worked at Pure Wow for like six weeks and I told you guys the name of the restaurant and you and Hannah dropped in after a press event and crashed my birthday dinner and it was like the best. I felt so welcome and loved. So end of story. Oh my Let's keep going. Gosh. <laughs> We're taking way too much time on this. I apologize. No, it was amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, for my previous while actions. we're sipping, we have a listener email, a really, really exciting one. I'm already jealous. It says, hello from Vermont. I just wanted to send you both a quick note to let you know I just booked my tickets for the Royal Style in the Making Exhibit at Kensington Palace. Wait for it. In October. I couldn't be more ah. excited to experience the magic in person. My boyfriend graciously offered. I didn't even have to beg him. What a guy. I added the what a guy to come with me. If that's not love, I don't know what is. I also just wanted to say I think you both do a fabulous job with your show. You both are fair and honest about all sides of the royal drama that arises. So very cheerful and bring a smile to my face every week. Thanks for all that you do. Aww. Cheers, Dewey. What a lovely note. And I just have so much trip jealousy. I can't believe you're getting to go to the UK. I'm so, I am so jealous to see the Diana wedding dress in person at Kensington Palace. I guess you'd be, Dewey would be able to go while she's there to the memorial statue as well, which would be amazing. Yeah, from a distance. We're both looking forward to seeing that in person one day too. So So many royal sites that I can't wait to get back over there and just do. Maybe they could even get in. I guess October, the gardens at Buckingham Palace will be closed, but that was a big thing on our list. Maybe next summer. Can we also just give a shout out to all the Roros listening significant others who come with our royal obsessions and really, you know, like you were just saying that you Rachel right now has two lovely Diana illustrations right behind her. And she was saying that her husband, Matt, is so gracious to let her in hang her these bedroom. in her bedroom. Like, it's like, and I also have a Diana picture in our bathroom. But it's like, it's cheeky. Like, she's being funny. And I just, I love it. It's a black and white photo. But it is like real love to permit that. And it, I don't know. It's a little, it could yeah, be Yeah, I mean, Dave listens to the podcast every week. Like, I have so many royal things around our house like it's, it's a just, part of our personality our character shout, shout out to the people that really understand and just let us totally all right before we move on we want to talk about 40 for 40 as we mentioned that september is actually going to be the month that we really focus on the mail that we received the email i guess mail is not the right word that people <laughs> you know roros have written in we've gotten a handful of notes around five or six from people either looking for mentorship yeah. or wanting to help mentor which is really wonderful thank you guys so much for writing and keep them coming if there's more if you forgot to do it please let us know First up, we have Lindsay, who pinged us about her journalism and media aspirations. And actually, since this particular interest is in our wheelhouse, we're actually going to talk to her directly. We have 40 minutes on the calendar with her for mid-September, I think it is. Um, 
But if anyone else has insight to share based on her note, we wanted to read that here. Roberta, you want to take it away? Yeah. And I just want to say I'm so, so looking forward to chatting with Lindsay. She wrote us and she said, my name is Lindsay and I've been a listener of the pod for about three years now. I graduated from the University of Alabama with a BA in dance and a minor in film. I worked as a professional dancer in LA for seven years before moving home six months before COVID. Since then, I've been working pretty unfulfilling jobs. I have been super lost on what I want to do next. In the meantime, I started my own newsletter called Keep Me Posted. It's where I talk about pop culture, what I'm reading, watching, or thinking about. Right now, it is just a hobby, but I love it. I love to write and talk about my opinions, but I have no formal journalism training. I would love to work for a media company in some way. Well, Lindsay, we are so excited we are going to zoom with her in a couple weeks like Rachel said and if anyone else listening has any kind of constructive feedback for Lindsay on her work an entry point any leads in the field of journalism media even just newsletter email newsletters like that's a huge task I tried it once it's so good it's really revive it it's Rob's reads. It's tough to keep up with. It really is. And so kudos to you, Lindsay. And also if anyone listening has any, um, they want to give Lindsay any pointers, any tips, write us info at gallerypodcast.com. She also, fun fact, which I love following, runs a Meghan Markle Instagram fan account called the former Miss Tig at the former Miss Tig. So check it out. Give it a follow. Roro's helping Roro's. Let's do this. I'm very excited. All right, this week in royal history. And now, this week in royal history. A very, very heavy week, of course. It's this day, today, the day we're recording marks the 20, it's been 24 years since the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. She was killed, as we all are familiar, in the Pont de l'Alma tunnel in Paris. It was a, a couple weeks ago I texted Roberta because I was actually combing through a high school archive of People magazines that I maintained, like so organized. Every month had a tab and everything. And it happened to be the box that I stumbled across eerily was the 1997. And so I went, you know, and I had all the issues with Diane on the cover because she's graced the cover just so many times from July 1997. And then just how just gut-wrenching it is to hit August 31st, 1997 and the coverage that followed and, and remember just where we all were when that happened and how shocking it was. Like, I, I really think of the one of the best ways to to remember it or when I think of my reaction was that remember that video clip that circulated Roberta where it was like the guys at home it was like very clearly shot on a camcorder and they just had the news on in the background and they were kind of playing games and just messing around and then all of a sudden the news broke that she had been in an accident and everyone I mean people they just started crying like different it just it was so not anything you would have ever anticipated and she was just 36 years old it's insane I can't believe that she was only 36 and did you go back and read any of those articles that were of the death? I mean, or, I did. You weren't throwing away the magazines, oh, were you? Oh, gosh, no. No, no, no. Oh, I was okay. more That's just like, like yeah, I was, I was proud of myself for how yeah. my archival skills were because they're really in pristine condition and all of that stuff. And I I was more just looking. Was it looking. just a walk down memory lane? It like, was. Just, I mean, just looking at nice. the visuals and everything like that. But also, you know, it was fascinating because when she passed away, we still didn't know that she was the voice the inner, the subject of the Andrew Morton book, like that came out right. in the weeks after. So, you know, he had done an op-ed for people. There was just a lot of stuff that was, you know, 
everything changed after that moment, especially for the royals and, you know, the fact that it's been 24 years. But even today, like what we're seeing, you know, in her memory and this week, I'm curious if we'll hear from any of the family members at all. Maybe not. I mean, it's definitely a very personal private time, but we're seeing a lot of people in the UK laying flowers outside Kensington Palace. Charles Spencer posted on Instagram showing a photo of Althorpe with flags at half mast. We also know, I mean, this is such a special occasion and a but special treat to have access to this, but they're opening up the statue, the Diana statue in the sunken garden. It's free. You don't need to book. It's only a couple of hours today on the day of her death. Um, no flowers are allowed. At, you can't lay any flowers at the feet of mm-hmm. the statue, mm-hmm. but you can walk the perimeter of that sunken garden, which just feels like a really special way to honor Diana. But Well, I don't know if you saw a friend of the pod and previous guest, Tessie Ojo, was yes. there. And she oh, posted she posted her pictures from today of oh, her to walking around out. and um, the statue up close. And it it gave me chills. I feel wow. like it, it's so moving I need to, to look be at there that. in the sunken garden. Yeah. So it's really cool. If you don't follow her, she's the CEO of the Diana Awards. So definitely give her a follow. But and they're yeah, doing so many great things. Amazing that she ought to go. Well, yeah. And I just, you know, I feel like what's interesting just on this, you know, the occasion of her of her passing, it's just thinking interesting to think about how we're really embarking on a year of tributes to Diana because next year marks 25 years, which is a very milestone anniversary, you know, but also we're going into obviously we have the statue, we have the Spencer film coming up, which we're going to talk about the Diana musical. There's so many documentaries to honor her and more. Do you feel like Diana's more alive than ever, Roberta. Like she's so of the zeitgeist right now and she still feels so present in our everyday. So present. I I do. I, it's interesting because you look at all the social media tributes and you look at everything like her life and legacy and and maybe we're just so in the weeds with royal stuff, but I I see all these things that are like even like the royally obsessed Instagram account that's like gone but not forgotten. It's like she's certainly not forgotten. If anything, I feel like more than ever, like seeing, you know, three iterations of her in Kristen Stewart and Elizabeth Debicki, which we're going to see soon in Emma Corrin. Like, I just think that like Diana, you know, as other people personify her is, is, is so prevalent to today. And so, you know, I th- I think it'll be interesting next year at this time. Will we get, you know, Harry's memoir on the 25th mm-hmm. anniversary? I think that would be a super poignant date for him to release his memoir and his reflections of his own mother, you know, because these depictions that we see in pop culture, are, they're just someone else's perception. But I think to have her own son's story, tell her story will be um, hopefully he does will be super moving and and um, yeah absolutely yeah. I do really forget that Diana's truly what anchored my fascination with the royals but perfect segue and also your I was just going to mention your journalism because that was when you yeah, wrote your very first was. story right <laughs> good memory I Roberta. love it I know that was my very Speaking first published industry. piece was a yeah. tribute to Diana in my high school newspaper Wait, I'm gonna find it online after this oh gosh that is not on um <laughs> online there's no digitization <laughs> oh <laughs> someone must have scanned it okay all right perfect transition on. to spend yeah. Though talking about Diana Spencer trailer. Well, let me get okay. Let's let's first play a little bit of the trailer first. They know everything. They don't. They don't. They don't. I think she nailed those two words. She I mean, really what, did. What are, you, what are your first impressions of the trailer? Let's just... 
I mean, I have so many questions. Like, I actually don't know why I'm obsessing over this separate from Kristen Stewart, but what role is Sally Hawkins playing? I love Sally Hawkins as an actress. And ever since she was in Happy Go Lucky, I just have been hooked on everything that she does. And I cannot figure out what her character is. And she was in The Shape of Water, right? Mm -hmm. She got The Shape of Water nomination for that. Yeah. Such a great actress. And she seems to be really close and personal in a lot of those clips. And she also gets billing on the end credits, whereas even like Jack Farthing doesn't get billing on the when the title card comes up at the end of the trailer. Right. Sally and Hawkins it seems like she's going to be like a confidant of Diana. Yeah. And then there's another one, Timothy Spall, I want to say. I hope mm-hmm. I'm not missing the name. That is a security officer that's also going to be a big part of the story. Because we know, so the trailer just shows a glimpse, but we know this movie will be one weekend at Sandra Kim. That's it. Just three days in Christmas of 1991, in which Diana realizes her marriage is doomed. Charles's affairs are coming to the forefront. It's been 10 years since their fairy tale wedding in 1981, and it will be one year before their separation is officially announced in December of 1992. What do we think about they don't? Those, do you think she nails it with the accent? I think it's really strong. Like I, We had a hard time getting past like Kristen Stewart as Diana, though, because I don't think she looks a lot like her. I felt like I had to watch the trailer quite a few times to really like sink into what like really forget that it was Kristen Stewart. Like, I think initially I was really fixated on that part of the trailer. But then as I saw more of the scenes, I was able to kind of just really believe that she was embodying Diana. I think that's one of the the great parts about when Emma Corrin played Diana in The Crown. We really didn't know Emma Corrin up in, that well up until that point, whereas I feel like Kristen Stewart has been in so many things. That's Similarly true. to, like, Naomi Watts when she played Diana and things like that. But, I mean, I have very high expectations. What about you? Yeah, I mean, same. I think that she she does get the accent down. I mean, it's so hard. It's just two words, so we really don't know. And actually, I thought that her even, like, her body language seems kind of correct. Like, a lot of people were a little critical of Kristen Stewart because they said, you know, Diana was a dancer. She had, she was so graceful. And like when Kristen's kind of stomping down the hallway in that ball gown, it's like, but I thought did she, I don't know, like the beginning scene where she has her hand on her head in the bathroom and she's like taking a deep breath. Like I kind of got Diana vibes. It's just the look of it for me. And the wig doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel exactly right, but I, I'm really interested to see a longer trailer and eventually the movie. So a longer trailer did come out at CinemaCon, but we haven't seen it yet because it hasn't been released. Where's the, the bootleg of that? I keep checking I YouTube. Know, I'm like, come on. Someone must have filmed that with their camera. Like, come on. I know. Well, they were collecting the footage, them probably. The footage the in that one shows Stuart in a tense confrontation with an AC Prince Charles, played by Jack Farthing, which takes place in a plush Sandringham Royal Estate drawing room with a billiards table between the two. Charles can barely contain his anger toward Diana. I guess they exchange some words. They say, he says people are talking about how she's delayed, suggesting Diana is having an affair. And Kristen Stewart, as Diana replies, sometimes you get delayed by someone and no one says anything. Referring to Charles's longtime mistress, Camilla, Charles castigates his young wife for leaving the curtains open to allow photographers, which we see in this small trailer that we got, a glimpse of the curtains sewn shut. Did yeah, you notice that I when did. she tries to that's, yank them open? That's eerie and kind of yeah there were so many when you rewatch it there's just so many little details but also just it's a beautiful trailer like the plates being yeah. lined up I loved the whoever the penmanship the on the outfits and things like yeah. that 
oh, my expectations are so high. And I do feel like, I mean, this could really be a transformative career making role for Kristen Stewart too, which is kind of exciting for her. A lot of pressure, of course. Well, and thinking back, we talked about watching the Jackie trailer before and you sent over the trailer of that to me and you saw that, right? I did see that in the theaters. Yeah. In 2016. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people said that they weren't sure if Natalie Portman would nail Jackie, and I feel like, like she nailed that it. trailer. She was Oscar just... nominated for that. She didn't win, but she got a nod for that role. So I feel like the, you know, potential for Kristen is huge. Yeah. So a film critic, Scott Menzel, tweeted, based on the footage, it looks like Kristen Stewart will be getting an Oscar nom for her performance as Diana. I'm feeling very confident that this is going to be hashtag Kristen Stewart's big moment. Hashtag Kristen Stewart. I love that. I was going to ask you one question is there isn't the poster that we saw we don't know what that outfit is right it's a lot of it's so refreshing that so many people are saying it's in her wedding gown i was like do you know like everything i was reading some people were saying it's like snippets of multiple outfits where it's like she wore a lot of white and then i think the closest one that i saw is people were saying it's what she wore to a james bond movie in 1987 i can send you the link for this but it's i don't i don't know that doesn't feel right to me either why you know why would they nod to a 1980s I don't know 87 look yeah maybe it's like because a lot of the other outfits like I think they tried really hard to pull from history and we know from Jackie that Pablo Lorraine has a knack for gorgeous clothes in his movies you see in the beginning when you mentioned those tags there's like a houndstooth pink and white suit jacket that looks let me see oh wow it does look like that dress from a James Bond premiere in 97 it does look a or lot 87, like that 87 yeah 87 87 yeah. Mm-hmm. so it is kind of random though because it's just a three-day weekend for christmas so it's like because you do see them going to the chapel we do get a glimpse of fergie yes which i think that that actress looks a lot like her in in this short snippet yeah, if you that we freeze got. frame on that family portrait moment it's really fascinating but i'm very excited for this i feel like we're gonna have to see it once just to enjoy and then see it again in the theaters that same weekend to take notes on all the things or maybe we can even get advanced we need to we need to get on this roberta i'm very excited we need to get a screener please write us sure. if you're like your thoughts we we've, we've we're so curious to hear like what your reaction to the trailer is too did anything bother you about the trailer before we move on um I thought the mu- the music, our producer told us this before, it's it's before we started recording, Lou Reed, a choir, really slowed down rendition of Perfect Day, which feels really haunting. And like, you know, obviously, ironically, it's not a perfect day at all. It seems like it's the, we- the weekend she realizes her marriage is completely off the rails. But I, I thought it's one thing that bothered me was that her engagement ring is so off. Like, oh, I didn't look anything that. like it. It's weird to me. I'm like, Funny. why did they do that? I'm curious so also, like, how much is fictionalized right. in this movie, too, because was she, I th- I've been reading some reports that she wasn't actually at Sandringham the weekend that they're referencing, but I think a lot of this is, like, obviously no one was inside the walls. So I'm I'm yeah. just, overall, I was more just swept away by the music and everything. So I, I yeah. truly can't wait for this. I know, and it's I can't much either. sooner than I thought, because I really thought it would be, like, Christmas Day or something like that. And one last thing, the insight Kristen Stewart gave into the title She said that the movie is a harrowing effort for Diana to return to herself as she strives to hold on to what the name Spencer means to her. I feel like that's some big force. And I read since well. the, um, last thing I read this thing from the director. That <laughs> we said, can't look over. We can't this. Let go. We are not. What, what's going to happen when the full length trailer comes? I don't out? know. We're I don't know. We're, we'll just hijack the episode. I was just going to say I read that the director <laughs> said something like, "When someone decides not to be queen and says I'd rather go and be by myself, it's a big, big decision, a fairy tale upside down." So there's a lot of modern day echoes to that line too. Wow. So a lot to look forward to. 
Girls, we are thrilled to welcome Oma Scobie back to the pod on the day of the re-release of Finding Freedom. The day we're recording, actually, is the day that his new edition of Finding Freedom comes out. You probably already know, but just in case, he's the co-host of ABC's The AirPod and royal editor at Harper's Bazaar. Also the author of Finding Freedom, the biography about the Sussexes that came out last August. So now it has some new updates, a new epilogue, and here is our conversation with Omid. Enjoy. So much has happened since the publication of Finding Freedom last summer. What can readers expect from this new edition? Well, it's great to see you guys and hear you. It feels, as we were just saying earlier, it feels like only a few minutes ago we were last talking about I know. the hardback. So so it's gone by very quickly. And I feel like that sort of is the summary of the epilogue that we've added to the book as well, which is just like so much has happened in the past what has it been? Just over a year now since the book came out. And of course, since Harry and Meghan stepped away, it's been a year and a half. And when we look at what they've achieved, what they've done in that time, how things have changed rapidly in that time, um, it was actually quite a challenge to fit all of that into what is technically just an update. There's sort of like this feeling of, well, we could go and write another book here. Yeah. <laughs> right. We, uh, Will we you? We have that back. question too. We were sure. We were like, is that coming down the pike? Another book? <laughs> you know, I think what's so nice about this update is it really draws a line under what was a really important story to tell. You know, I think one of the biggest things that has changed since the original Finding Freedom came out is that Harry and Meghan have their own voices now. They can tell their stories as and when they want, how they want. And as we've heard, Harry's plans to release his memoir next fall. And I'm sure we'll get an even deeper insight into certain aspects of his life that only he knows. What was so important about writing Finding Freedom in the first place was being able to tell the story of two individuals who at the time weren't able to tell their story. And so Mm -hmm. we've kind of reached the end of that road in a way. It's no longer the... I don't even want to say responsibility, but it's no longer the task of others to sort of try and write the record. Which is really great and wonderful for them and and freeing. As as We've heard from them so much, I feel like actually like Harry did the Me You Can't See and obviously the Oprah interviews. So we have heard from them a lot. And Dax Shepard too was so phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But so what are, what, I know you have an addition to the book with a, a new chapter. What were some of the more surprising things that you added or sort of updates that you shared? Yeah, you know, I think the one thing everyone wants to ask is like, where are things at with family relations at the moment? You know, where we left it, or where we left the couple in the original version of Finding Freedom was, of course, them just arriving in LA. Prince Charles had gone through coronavirus. They had just sort of sorted out a property for themselves. There was so much ahead for them. And of course, the one thing we didn't know could have happened in that time was that COVID would still be around us mm-hmm. over a year later. And that has really prevented some of the perhaps more obvious progress that could have happened between the couple and the family. They haven't been able to spend much time here in the UK. So sadly, in a way, very little has changed. And of course, as we've learned, you know, earlier this year through their interview with Oprah Winfrey, there are still sort of many sort of unfinished uh, grievances between them and the family and vice versa, I would imagine. You know, I, it was only recently I met up with a source from Kensington Palace, close to the Cambridges. And, you know, they sort of expressed 
very similar feeling that, you know, there just hasn't been a chance for William and Kate to say some of the things that they've wanted to yeah. as well. And so that has held certain aspects of the story back a bit. Mm-hmm. But what we have seen is the couple, and I know it sounds so cheesy to say this, but they have found their voices, or at least they had their voices, but they're just able to use them yeah. in a way that better suits their life, you know, whether it's through right. the work they're doing with Archwell and the impact that that has, or just this ability to like keep a like iron-clad grip on their own narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, the second something they see in the public domain, whether it's in the media, wherever, that is said about them that doesn't align with what they feel was the actual version of events or what their truth is, they're able to very quickly take hold of that. And I think that that's how we've seen, I would say perhaps in the past year, a more accurate depiction of who the Sussexes are. Yeah. We've kind of stepped away from the like caricatures that we were getting to know through the British tabloids. And, you know, I would say that Finding Freedom perhaps broke some of that down, but there's nothing more impactful than them actually being able to go out there and do it themselves. You know, mm-hmm. we've seen so much of them. And in fact, I would say, and I, I say this about the royal family too, you know, if there's one silver lining about having to work throughout COVID is that we've had like this front row seat into all of the work that the Sussexes, members of the royal family are doing. We're literally watching these engagements through our computer screens and it's no longer sort of through the lens of the one or two reporters that yeah. are usually there in that moment to capture it. So mm-hmm. we're sort of being able to sort of build a much more realistic picture of who the couple are. And I would imagine that that has helped change some minds about how they feel about the Sussexes and in in other cases perhaps solidified how people have felt about the Sussexes. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of their relationship with, you know, with Charles and William, you know, I thought it was interesting in the excerpt that we were able to read that there was a source quoted that said there is actually progress. There are efforts on all sides. Can you elaborate on what you believe the status of the relationship to be? Yeah, you know, to be honest, I wish I could give you sort of minute details about that but you know I think one thing that I have really seen change with sources on all sides is that there is a bit of a conscious effort to try and keep things private Mm -hmm. you know I think in the past everyone felt like well if we you know allow this source to speak or if you know this palace courtier talks on our behalf we can get the truth out there and perhaps you know people won't think that we've done X, Y, or Z. And actually, I think there's been less of a focus on that and actually more of a focus on doing things privately. As we know, that was one of the things that really broke so much of this down in the Mm -hmm. first place was that nothing was ever contained. And so while I have spoken to sources about those those small, and they really are baby steps, we're talking, you know, just those short interactions during Harry's visit to the UK for Prince Philip's funeral. And Mm -hmm. of course, more recently for the Diana unveiling, just being in the same room together, just being able to make eye contact, just being able to hear each other's voices in front of each other rather than through someone else has made the differences that at least set the stage for future progress. But Mm -hmm. that really is where we're at. You know, there isn't anyone that I've spoken to that said, oh, you know, people are talking like it's the old days. They're not. I think people, you know, as I said, um, in a recent interview, but also in, as we've written in the extracts, there is a feeling from the Sussexes that not enough accountability has been taken for some of the things that have happened, some of the things they've experienced, and some of the things that they've shared that we discovered more recently, such as the racism allegations. And yeah. you know, it was always, it was really frustrating actually when those extracts came out because immediately 
we saw the tableaus run and say, oh, well, this means that the Sussexes are angry with the queen. And I, I, I was just going to ask you, because you tweeted about this, I think, right? That, uh, yeah. that it, was, it was being quoted instead of saying a source that you quoted said, yeah. those three words, recollections may vary, did not go unnoticed by the couple who, a source, said were not surprised that full ownership was not taken. So I wanted to ask you about this because everyone seems up in arms about this. You tweeted about mm. it. What do you think that accountability would look like for the pair? Is it something that happens behind the scenes? Is it public? What is your take on that? Bigger conversations about the issues that were actually raised. And I think both privately and publicly, you know, we've yet to see the royal family or the inst- anyone representing the institution condemn racism in any way. We saw a couple of denials of it. That's really as far as it went. And I think that that's such a shame in a way because it was an opportunity to at the very least start a bigger conversation. We haven't really seen that happen. And so I think from the public's perspective, some ownership of the conversation needs to be made. But also, you know, as as sources close to the Sussex said to me, there was a feeling that the institution had not taken enough accountability or at least ownership of the situation. And you know, it's a shame that that was sort of twisted into that's how the couple feel about the Queen, because I think if there's any takeaway from finding freedom and from the couple's interview with Oprah is that the difference between the family and the institution is massive. They are not the same thing. And I know that there are people who may argue, well, the Queen is the head of state. That is her institution. That is correct. At the same time, that's like saying I have a problem with my parents' family business and my parents themselves. And that is the sort of distinction that, you know, I wish was perhaps a bit more clear in in, in some of the coverage that we've seen. But, you know, I think the couple have done a really good job of separating the institution from the family itself. It's how they're able to have this really strong relationship with the Queen, which I know many will sort of raise an eyebrow at, you know, there's so many question marks over the naming of Lily, whether that was sort of given a prior approval by the Queen or not. At the end of the day, none of that really matters when we actually speak to those who are close to the couple and those within Buckingham Palace. And, you know, despite what people may think, I still do have good connections (laughs) within the palace. And there really is no problem between the couple and the Queen. And, you know, those issues really go much deeper. And it's why I don't think a world in which the couple will ever have much close proximity to the institution itself ever again. Well, I'm wondering if Harry will touch on any of that, especially, you know, the Lily name controversy in his memoir. Have you heard anything in addition to what we've just heard publicly about his memoir? I mean, one of the things I thought about was would he put Tiara Gate to bed once and for all or any of these, you know, (laughs) high level media firestorms that we've heard about so much? I, you know, I have a sort of connection, I guess, to his ghostwriter through a friend of a friend of a friend. You know, the one thing that they said to me was that he will ask every single question you are thinking. Now, whether Mm. that makes it into the book itself, you know, who knows? I think Harry's probably going to be very careful that it's sort of filtered and done very respectfully. In fact, that was one of the first things that a source close to him said to me when it was announced was like, don't expect fireworks and drama because ultimately this is his story. This isn't other people's stories. This is his story. And there's so much more to his story than the past couple of years. And at the same time, I think we have seen that the couple are very good at distinguishing the difference between the family and the institution. So, 
yeah, I do think that Harry will talk about issues within the institution. And I think that it may bring other issues to light and things that perhaps even, you know, predate Meghan. You know, there's so much about his life as the spare that we really don't know. And I think that biographies that have existed in the past have only really scratched the surface on that. Mm -hmm. He's the only one that has these stories to tell. And that's what I'm excited about reading the book for. I almost feel like I have, you know, Sussex fatigue at this point. So I'm I'm curious about the earlier stuff. You know, I want to know how military tours. Yeah. Exactly. Carving out that path within an institution that made you very obviously the unwanted spare from a very young age. Mm -hmm. That must be an impossible way to live. Yeah. No, I think I'm really looking forward to it, especially, you know, I think just the Dax interview in particular, I felt was so constructive, you know, with all of his initiatives, including like mental health and just so I'm excited to see what he what he pens and what he writes with the ghostwriter. One thing we did want to fact check with you while we have you is this latest report about a Kate and Megan Netflix collaboration. I feel like you talk about those like sources <laughs> and like <laughs> we were talking about it and just feeling like it was a low in a lot of ways because of the sourcing. But I, we wanted to get your take. Yeah. Well, what was your reaction to when you saw that headline? Dis- you you guys have been in this game long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't find a lot of truth in it or merit. I felt like it was just a clickbaity headline, to be honest, but that might be totally yeah. off base. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. You know? and I think we, we, you know, look, listen, I would love it. Yeah, me, yeah that was also great, our reaction. My take was that. That was, was so also our reaction. It, we would but, be really yeah. thrilled. Yeah. It's a, it would be a full circle moment and one that would come with a story of its own away from the production itself. But, you know, it is just that. It's fantasy fiction. And, you know, as like a lot of royal news, you know, it's all you always have sort of have to take it with a grain of salt. And in this case, a bucket of it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It definitely felt that way when we read it. We wanted to hear if you had any any insights on it. Well, speaking of Netflix, though, Omen, I want to ask, are there any other Sussex projects in the works? I love what you said in those people excerpts. They're entering the Thrive chapter, the era of visibility. What can we expect from them next? Yeah, you know, when I was talking about the era of visibility, a lot of that's down to the fact that we haven't really seen them on any engagements or actually being able to spend time in person with a lot of the organizations and charities that they have done. And, you know, obviously with things changing slightly with COVID and the way that people are able to work with each other in a slightly more safer way, that does open the door for the couple to be able to do more of that. So a lot of it will be about that. But also we have spent, you know, the past year and a half talking about what Harry and Meghan will do next. And we've heard so much from them statements and announcements of what they are going to do next we haven't really seen a lot of it because so much of it takes time to actually get off the ground so this is what we're sort of entering now we're actually going to start seeing those bits and pieces come together with netflix actually had a completely unrelated to the sussexes but had a very interesting conversation with some executives at netflix recently and they were like I was trying to try and try my best to get a little bit on the Sussex. (laughs) All that was said to me that was like, oh man, you don't even know the half of what they're working on. They are aiming so high. So I think that one thing that may surprise us at some point, I don't know when this will be, and this is just my own guess really. So anyone kind of turn Mm. this into a story to to look away. I think this is where we're going to hear at some point some sort of movie announcement. It's only a matter of time before they've acquired the rights to a really incredible story that they're able to bring to life through a movie 
or a television drama. You know, we've, we've heard a lot about the, the non-scripted work that they're doing. But there is that whole side of the production company that is scripted. Ah. So it's only a matter of time before we actually see that come to life. And I think that that's really exciting because A, it's a side of them that we've never seen or heard of before, but also one that we know they're both really eager to get into. And so being able to sort of like step into Hollywood a little bit, but try and do it in, you know, the way, as they would describe, much more impactful and socially conscious way, uh, that's going to be really interesting to me. Totally. So interesting. I feel like Megan has that creative streak too. And obviously her acting days, not saying she'll star in any of this, but just it'll be interesting to see. I'm also really excited for the podcast. I want more episodes of the podcast. Virtual <laughs> yeah. Audio. yeah, not long to go, I, I believe. Um, you know, I, I think there was some conversations about whether there was ever going to be anything from the Spotify <laughs> deal because we of course had that one episode. That one episode, I understand, was just something to really kind of mark the occasion of actually signing mm. the deal announcing it to the world and giving a slight taster but you know as you know it takes a while to get these things on the ground you know put my own podcast on hiatus to actually have a minute to think about how to re- refresh it for yeah. a new chapter so you know it, you can't achieve these things in a day so I think it's great that they're you know it's one of the things I said in the people magazine cover story recently they were talking about lessons learned by the couple I was like, it's okay to take your time, you know, it's okay yeah. to slow down. And so I remember one comment made by uh, Palisade that was working very closely with the couple and they were like, you know, their work ethic is unbelievable, but boy, do they love to jump from one big thing to the next and hold themselves to that incredibly high standard that when you are in the moment, you're not thinking about how much of your life and energy that you're consuming and giving but actually it's all consuming. And so I think for them to actually move away, be able to find slightly better work-life balance will only do them good in the long run. So I think it's okay that we haven't seen Spotify just yeah. yet. You know. Yeah. Take your time. It's a good life lesson for all of us. I feel like I'm taking a lot, I guess, from their moves. <laughs> <laughs> One question we did want to ask you too is, do you think we'll see the Sussexes back in the UK? There were some headlines I read that there was a potential follow-up event to the statue unveiling coming this fall, but, you know, all sort of just rumors. Do you think that we'll see them making a trip over soon or Lily meeting the Queen, anything like that? Yeah, I don't know where the follow-up event story to the statue unveiling came from. I would imagine that, you know, originally that statue unveiling was going to be accompanied by a big event. They were going to have people from all aspects of Diana's life there. I think it was like 150 people in total. So it's very different to what we, what we actually saw happen. But of course, due to the pandemic, that's just the way things are. And so I'm sure that those plans haven't been shelled for good. But I would also think that anyone involved in organising something like that would find it quite crazy to try and plan it just a month later when yeah. <laughs> on, on, the, on the COVID side of things has actually changed in right. that time. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of talk about the couple coming back for some element of the Jubilee next year. And I do think that that will still be the case. Will it be the balcony moment? I don't think so. I, I think, but I do think that the couple will want to acknowledge it in their own way. And by then it's a very safe time to come over the children are old enough to, to fly a little bit more comfortably, I'd imagine, mm-hmm. with a newborn. Even with the, Harry's trip to Colorado recently, you know, there were rumours of, is Megan gone? Has she brought the baby with her? And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a newborn child. So yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to want to do that, especially the long overseas trip. 
when it's a lot more comfortable. So my money is on the on the Jubilee. I know that they're that the Queen would love to have them over for an aspect of it. So I would imagine that that conversation, if it isn't already happening, will be happening very soon. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Final question, Omid. I know you're just ramping up for your press for this epilogue, but is there anything else in the works from you? Anything coming up? Another book. We keep pushing you on. <laughs> yeah, there isn't another Sussex related book. Ooh, choosing the words very carefully. We like it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love my it. time, my time, sort of, I guess, following Harry and Meghan's story, I think had a lifespan to it. You know, I, as I said earlier, I think that there was a period where they had no voices. And it was very interesting to be able to have access to people that were willing to speak for them, well, not for them, but sort of in their defense or to be able to at least shed some light mm-hmm. on certain aspects of the story. But, you know, I think that things are starting to change. You know, we see the couple completely in control of their own narrative. That said, the world in which they come from has many other narratives that, you know, we don't know much about. And so, you know, my time is not quite done. Just the royal book. We're so excited. <laughs> we cannot wait. Please You'll have keep to keep us, us updated. Yeah. yeah. But honestly, Absolutely. thank you so much for taking the time to join, you know, and congrats on the the updated release of the book. We're really, we, we yes. will definitely be getting a copy. And we will encourage all of our listeners to do the same. Yep. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks. So uh, I can't believe it's been over a year. So it's nice to actually see the end of that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you. Right. Thanks, guys. It is so great to hear from Omid. I was really, really amazing to have him back on the pod and a great way to kind of segue into the fall and Labor Day weekend and all that stuff. What did you think, Roberta? Totally. And a year after Finding Freedom, just to get some updates from him is awesome. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Highs and lows. My low is just a Prince Andrew update. Randy Andy is one of our Roros called him. I hate that. Um, Prince Andrew's been hiding from the process servers. He is said to be refusing to leave his home since hightailing it back from Balmoral from his vacation with his mum, the queen. From the sun, security guards stopped multiple attempts by lawyers last week to hand over the legal document of Virginia Dufresne's suit to the Duke of York at Royal Lodge. Technically, in the UK, he doesn't have to be served the papers. Legally, he doesn't have to be. But Virginia's high-profile lawyer, David Boyes, is supposedly keen on serving him. And it kind of has created this thing of, like, where's Andrew? And now, like, U.S. authorities are like, hey, like, we're mutually helping each other out with legal matters, right? Like, can you guys help us? Like, the Home Department. So we're just seeing how all this unfolds. But he is hiding for now it's really complicated to just it took all of this it took all of this to make him lay low that's what bothers me it's like he was like front and center at philip's funeral like he hasn't been he was like having a blast on vacation like i just i don't know like finally it's like get away yeah it's i don't know He's going to have to face this for sure. Yeah. No one's going to let him off the hook. Milo is his little side anecdote from my weekend. And I just had to share it with you that I was, I'll make it quick, but I was crossing this bridge on a very royal um, errand to Lowe's. <laughs> Not royal at all. And 
To feel royal, I of course was wearing my Royal Jelly Harlem Seersucker Blue Mask that I now have a few of, thankfully, because at the most inopportune time, as I was crossing the bridge, a gust of wind blew across, <gasps> caught the edge of my mask, and it blew no. into the canal. <laughs> no. And I was oh. all by myself and no one there to validate my upsetness, my sadness over the whole thing. Did you have a backup mask? This I is had so to walk tragic. I had to walk home because I didn't have a backup <gasps> mask and I didn't feel comfortable going into Lowe's not wearing a mask. And so I was... And also these royal jelly masks, one took a while to get to you, right? I think so. I, they're very much in stock. I checked. So I can reorder it. Okay, it's 15 okay. bucks but and it still. is such a worthwhile investment. But it was more just like the sadness. And I watched it float away and I was like, I love you. Thank you for serving me and keeping no. me safe. And, and just like, I hope someone driving by witnessed it because it was so sad. It just blew right off my face. Oh no. Anyways, that's it awful. was my low. I had to share. Ugh. I'm so sorry. Well, good thing you have some backups. Good thing. (laughs) All right. My high this week is the Downton Abbey sequel release date was announced. If anyone knows me, they know I love Downton Abbey so much. I went to the red carpet for the first movie. I pray and hope that I would get to do that again for the second. There's no way. But between the Diana musical on Netflix, which is October 1st, Spencer, which is November 5th, and Downton Abbey, which is March 18th of 2022, I'm feeling so good about our... Hashtag winter content. Down Abbey, <laughs> A New Era, the sequel, will star Dominic West, Laura Haddock, Hugh Dancy, as well as all the original stars. And it sounds like the family is going to be traveling internationally. The Crawleys are taking it on the road because it looks like they're going to be all over Europe for this second movie. So I'm really excited. A trailer debuted at CinemaCon, a same, same place as the Spencer full-length trailer. So hopefully we get that soon. Take me to the movies, my favorite place in the world. (laughs) (laughs) My high is just that we are getting rumors that there might be a move for the Cambridges. Did you see this, Roberta, where they are house hunting potentially in Windsor? Like a spokesperson for the Cambridges did refuse to comment and said this was pure, quote unquote, speculation. But it all makes sense that they would want to be in Windsor. And I did some Google mapping to see because Anmer Hall in Norfolk is two hours from London where the kids are in school. It's actually three hours from Buckleberry where Kate's parents are. And if they move to Windsor, it's only an hour to London and about 45 minutes to Buckleberry. Plus, Eaton is at their doorstep, which we've been talking a lot about George maybe going to school, um, potentially now that he's eight years old. So who knows? I don't know. It's speculation for sure. But it does seem very logical given the future I read also that they'll be close to Pippa. Yeah. So her parents and Pippa and having more space and, you know... I think we've all just kind of, like I said, previous episode, but just wanted to go a little bit out of the city for the pandemic and have space and fresh air and all of that. So I am super excited to hear more about this. A little easier to pull that off if they're closer to London. So Yeah, and TV close to the D. Queen. Yeah, TV Sounds D. like the we'll Queen's see. kind of just in Windsor now for the foreseeable future as well. So we'll see. Makes sense. Just a reminder before we close, leave us a royal rating. Pretty please. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and drop us an email at info at gallerypodcasts.com. It is not too late to send in 40 for 40 requests. We hope to hear from you. Till next week. God, God save, save the, pod. the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.